really exciting um, bylaw change in BC is that the provincial government actually removed the restriction that allows strata councils to have uh, age restrictions as well as short-term rental restrictions. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey everybody, Sarah Larby here. Today's guest is James Nall, who is an investor and an entrepreneur in Western Canada. He's a realtor. He's one of Western Canada's top producing agents, and we have a lot of great conversations uh, around the Western market, Alberta, specifically uh, Vancouver, and we also talk about the MLI Select program and uh, how to acquire some small multifamily properties and everything in between. So I hope you guys enjoy today's podcast, and don't forget Inspire Beach Resort is up and running and taking bookings, and if you are looking to plan your next getaway or your team meeting, your business planning meeting, your sales we used to do a lot of annual sales meeting when I used meetings when I used to work at Lavazza and Mars, and this is going to be an opportunity to get everyone together out of the office. And so, if you are interested in booking an event or anything of that sort, let me know. And before we bring in James, though, let's bring in Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages to talk about what is new and exciting in today's financing world. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. As mortgage qualifications have tightened for residential properties between one and four units due to the rising interest rates, you may find it harder to switch lenders for better terms at renewals or qualify for the full mortgage amount on a purchase or a refinance. You may also find that you have to switch from an A lender to a B lender or from a B lender to a private mortgage at higher costs to get your deals done. Under the regular residential mortgage qualifications, the lenders typically look at your personal income, any rental income you earn, along with any debts that are on your balance sheet. They look at these things to approve the file, and basically, if the numbers do not fit within their guidelines of gross debts and total debt coverage, they will typically cut down the loan amount or decline the deal altogether. I am about to share with you today some new programs that are available to you on the street to overcome the approval hurdles. As the lenders under these programs are able to go above their typical guidelines of gross debts and total debt coverage to approve the deals. So let's take a quick dive into these programs and I would love to highlight for you the things that matter that can help you. The first program is called the Net Worth and Wealth-Based Program. Under that program, lenders would take into consideration any non-real estate assets that you own, including registered, non-registered investments, and of course, cash. Some lenders will lend dollar for dollar against this net worth above and beyond what you would qualify for under the typical guidelines. And some lenders would take a percentage of that net worth and add it back to your income to help qualify the deal. The second set of programs are called the extended ratios programs. Very technical term here. Under these programs, the lenders would basically approve your file if the ratios are high, but up to a certain 
limit. And for doing that, they will add what's called a rate premium to the interest rate. So essentially, you're going to get your deal approved, but you're going to pay a little more from an interest rate standpoint. The third program is for self-employed clients. So if you are self-employed, some, some banks right now are offering programs that allow adding a percentage of your corporate net income after taxes or professional income from the corporation to your personal income to help you qualify. Lastly, commercial financing for residential properties. Under the commercial option, we can actually look at your residential portfolio as a business and see if we can support the requested loan amount. There is also CMHC insured options for properties that are at five units or above or properties that are adjacent to each other. For example, if you have two fourplexes that are sharing the property line or are next to each other, we can look at that under commercial financing as an eight units apartment building. I would suggest though, using commercial financing as a last resort after exhausting all of your residential options, because under this option, you will encounter higher costs. Your amortization will tend to be shorter than 30 years unless you qualify for the CMHC programs. And options under the commercial umbrella are limited for smaller loan amounts below a million dollars. And here is something that investors don't think about thoroughly. In commercial financing, if we're financing residential properties under these guidelines, the lenders will tend to tag what's called a blanket commercial mortgage on your properties. And what that means is that it's, it's, it's a mortgage that's going to tie your properties at the hip under one mortgage. So this limits your flexibility down the road. So it's something important to consider. These new solutions that I've highlighted for you today are making it possible for investors to continue to scale, consolidate debts, and switch lenders to save on renewals. They're also available for primary residences and rentals. So if you feel that you have hit a wall with financing due to the changing lending environment today, I invite you to explore these options, which can unlock new possibilities for you. Reach out to my team at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Awesome, Delia. Thank you. That was great. Now let's hear from James Knoll and what is happening in the Western Canada market. James, welcome to the show once again. You've been on a couple of years ago. I'm so excited to have you back. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm doing terrific. Thank you so much for having me back. Last time I was here, I had such a good time that uh, when we crossed paths, I said, hey, I'd love to come back. And here we are. Awesome, awesome. So what have you been up to since, uh, since the last couple of years? Yeah, since the last time we chatted, we've expanded our operations west into Vancouver. So now we have a headquarters in Edmonton, a headquarters in Vancouver. And this is the year where we're going to open a Kelowna office as well. So we're basically just trying to provide more opportunities for our clients. I mean, before it was all about cash flowing properties in Edmonton, but now we've got pre-sales and uh, developments in Vancouver. And then, you know, the, the Kelowna vacation property 
investment situation is really, really appealing right now. So, you know, we just, we want to go where our, our clients want us to help them out. Amazing. Amazing. And for those, those people that may not have heard you from, uh, you know, the prior, the prior podcast, just a 30,000 foot view on what it is that yeah. you do, your strategy when it comes to real estate. Totally. I'm, I'm a real estate investor first and foremost. I bought my first income property over 15 years ago and I just loved real estate so much. I couldn't help myself and became a realtor. And since then I've built a portfolio with single family. I own a bunch of apartment buildings. I've developed and built a bunch of infill houses, triplexes, fourplexes. And uh, now I'm actually getting into the vacation property realm. So just close on a stunner of an Airbnb in the, the tourist destination of Gastown in downtown Vancouver. And we're analyzing properties up in Whistler right now and just trying to pick up some stuff that uh, has that nightly rental potential and that'll be fun. And then on the real estate side, we've got, like I said, our headquarters in Alberta, our headquarters in Vancouver, and got an amazing, wonderful team of realtors that work with me. And, you know, we just help a lot of people buy income properties in the residential space. Amazing. Amazing. So I, I'm, I always love recreational properties. One of the reasons is now I've got the resort. And so I'm always interested in hearing, uh, you know, about what you bought from a, a recreational standpoint and what kind of, yeah. is it waterfront? Is it a cottage? Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Totally. It's so the Gastown neighborhood is uh, right near where all the cruise ships let off in Vancouver. So often Gastown gets to be the first point of contact for people coming from all over the world to Vancouver. Nice. And so we thought this is a great neighborhood to be a part of. It's really fun. Um, the property we got is on the large side for Vancouver. It's 1,200 square feet as an apartment, um, three bedrooms, two bathrooms. And so that'll give it huge, huge rental potential. And just because of the neighborhood it's in, this is like the the brick beam metal warehouse districts. So we get nice. to really play with that design in the, in the space. And then it's also a block away from both stadiums. So I think for those peak weekends, I mean, Beyonce's coming, Coldplay's coming, Guns N' Roses are coming. I mean, these are, these are massive concerts where there's huge demand for tickets. Um, so, you know, those signature weekends, I think are going to do really well for us being walking, walking distance a block away. And then if the Canucks get their act together and playoffs happen, that'll just be another great peak season for us. So we're, we're really excited with this property because it's, it's going to be, I think, really easy to rent out uh, all times of the year. It's not going to be super seasonal, which, you know, yep. flattens out the cash flow curve. You know, one of the things, I mean, because short term, midterm are really my favorite rental strategies, right? You've got your like investing strategies and you got your rental strategies. You can do combinations, um, you know, and over the years, I really, you know, not only for the cash flow got into short term and midterm rentals, but also because of the um, ad additional control that we have at anyways in Ontario. Um, are you seeing any bylaws come into place uh, where you're investing, you know, whether it's, you know, Alberta or B.C.? Um, and, uh, and if so, maybe just give us some insights on that. Yeah. You know, BC is very similar to Ontario where it's very tenant friendly. And so again, the shorter medium term, you're always cycling the tenants. So you're not committed to a long-term tenant that could be very, very difficult to remove if they're a problem tenant. Mm -hmm. So that, that makes that strategy appealing, not just from a cash flow perspective, but just like you said, a control of the property perspective in BC yeah. as well. Really exciting, um, bylaw change in BC is that the provincial government actually removed the restriction that allows strata councils to have uh, age restrictions as well as short-term rental restrictions. So now, now uh, and, and rental amount restrictions. 
which mm. means in the past, Stratus could say, you know, we only want 10% of the units in the building to be rental, or we only, we don't want any, any sort of short-term rental under six months, under 12 months. Well, all those restrictions are gone. So it's opened up a much wider amount of inventory for, uh, for that medium-term rental, which is super exciting. So that's just starting to settle in and affect people's buying decisions. But, you know, it's creating opportunity because, you know, the change is new, but the market is slow to react and there's new properties coming up that will work for that strategy. Alberta, I mean, that's the one thing that's super exciting about investing in Alberta is it's the most landlord-friendly province in the country. So, you know, there's problem tenants in Alberta turn into quick solutions. And that's why that's why the long-term rental strategy from a cash flow perspective, as well as just a management perspective, really works in Edmonton because, you know, I mean, we see cases all the time where somebody doesn't pay rent on the first and, you know, you can have them out in 30 days and have the place re-rented for the first of the next month. Um, that's a that's an ideal case scenario, but it's not too far off. I mean, vacancies don't last long and problem tenants can can move really quick in in Alberta, which gives us a lot of peace of mind as landlords, especially if you're from out of province. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of Ontario landlords that are are moving over out there. Again, there's pros and cons, right? I think in terms of like future appreciation over many years, not the near future because you know who knows what's going to happen then but over many years i think ontario's always kind of had the head start on that in the past but they've had the issues with a whole landlord tenant board and you're getting you know if you've got a non-paying tenant if you're saying 30 days even if it's 60 days you know we're looking at nine to 12 months uh you know for non-payment of rents or really anything like if you if you want to sell your house in ontario and your your tenants are, are refusing to leave uh you've got to wait essentially for for the the board to uh to actually grant the eviction and that could be nine months on its own by then you've lost oh the sale God. and you might get sued so you know there's there's definitely some pros and cons um but you know i've i've always uh you know been intrigued with the alberta market because of that again there's pros and cons to every single market and you guys have quick cycles um of up and downs and are you going to have the same lift over the many years i don't know that's uh that's that's hard to say but you compensate with you still get some cash flow and you still have that you know landlord friendlier uh, province, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know, I, I think your read of, of the market in Alberta is correct. Like it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily grow as aggressively from an equity perspective. So, you know, with, with our presence in Western Canada, the BC market performs very similar to the Ontario market. And with our Western Canadian clientele, it just allows for diversity. You know, you get mm-hmm. some, thing, some equity appreciation properties in BC, you get some stable cash flow properties in Alberta, and that you know, diversity is what you want in a stock portfolio. It's also what you want in a real estate portfolio. And, you know, with, you know, it used to be from what I could tell, like a lot of people in Toronto would just go a little bit further uh, down the lake to places like Hamilton where the prices were more affordable. But mm-hmm. Ontario's had this massive growth where everything seems to be expensive there nowadays. So Alberta kind of seems to be the next like inexpensive cash flow market that people are paying attention to. Yeah, that's for sure. And the strategies have to change over time. And I don't know how it was with, with Alberta, but in Ontario, like back in the day, you can do some buy and holds and they still cash flowed. And now you're like, yeah. you're, you have to create probably three, four units in a property in order for the cash flow, especially with these rates, for the cash flow to, uh, to, totally. to be somewhat there. And that's even questionable sometimes. Um, what are you seeing in terms of, of, you know, can you do like a single family out in Edmonton or Calgary that still cash flows or are those days gone as well? You know, with the new interest rates, everything is a struggle for cash flow right now. Um, so, I mean, we, we're watching people employ various cash flow mitigation strategies. You know, if you're a more established investor, there's nothing wrong with putting 25% down to deleverage a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, going from long-term to medium-term with a little bit of furnishing helps out. 
But in terms of what cash flows and make sense in Alberta, one of the nice things about both Edmonton and Calgary, Edmonton in particular, is it's a very secondary suite friendly municipality. So getting a permit for a secondary suite in a house, duplex, row housing, townhouses, you can turn a fourplex into an eightplex. And the turnaround time for the permit is months instead of potentially years like in BC. And I think in Ontario, it's a little bit longer too. So what are people buying to cash flow? It's typically houses with secondary suites or duplexes with secondary suites, triplexes with secondary suites or fourplexes with secondary suites. The nice thing about the triplex and the fourplex with secondary suites is most lenders will recognize that as six units or eight units, which then allows you to start playing in the pool of commercial lending which has its own series of benefits as well, but it is still technically residentially zoned property. So you get to double dip by having the advantages of it being a residential property while still being able to play with commercial financing. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey US real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website, usproperties.ca for more information. Um, and now you're, you're an investor, you're a realtor uh, as well. Um, you know, how many people are coming to you from, I'm just curious, from Ontario or, or other markets? Uh, out our way? You know, I would say pre-COVID when you guys had very affordable markets in Ontario, very little. You know, we've always had tons of Vancouverites look at Edmonton because of the price differential and the cash flow differential. But since since uh, Ontario went through its growth cycle, um, you know, I would say probably about a third of the Canadian investors that reach out are actually people from out east Ontario that are looking at Alberta as a marketplace, which is fascinating. It's totally new to us. I mean, we, we, love, we love working with all Canadians, but uh, this is the first time in my 15-year career where we get regular, you know, four or five times a week, people reaching out from Ontario, curious about what's happening in the Alberta market. So that's mm-hmm. kind of neat, you know? I mean, I, we, we've got a very strong relationship with BC, but it's, it's fun building a relationship with Ontario as well. Yeah, no, that is interesting. So, you know, obviously with the oil and gas industry and this whole uh, Justin Trudeau transition out of that, I, I, I will say Alberta has a really good um, <laughs> version of our Ford. Uh, and, and I think she's got the greatest interest of, of many Albertans, which is nice to see. But um, from a uh, industry standpoint, like, are yeah. you because because one of the things that, you know, you always worry about investing in, in you know, the I guess the markets that are very oil and gas driven is, you know, the ups and the downs and the industry trends. And, you know, looking back at like 2015, as an example, like you guys felt it uh, quite a bit. Uh, And in Ontario, we didn't, we didn't feel that dip. Um, So like, what are your thoughts on like where that industry is going and then in relation to real estate? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, 2015 was rough, 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 rough. Cause it was, you know, we, we hadn't had an oil cycle in, you know, almost 10 years. So everybody was really excited. There was a lot of optimism. And then boom, oil hit negative 20 a barrel. I don't even really understand how you can have a negative price on the stock market, but that was bad for Alberta. And you know, a lot of Albertans who are business owners in the oil industry started repurposing their industrial space and infrastructure towards manufacturing. So quietly kind of in the background over the last six, seven, eight years, um, a lot of Alberta's oil infrastructure has been repurposed into manufacturing infrastructure, which is nicely diversified our economy. Of course, as the energy sector is starting to really show show some life, that's going to be great for Alberta. But, you know, 
in in that waiting period, people didn't just sit idle and lose money. They were looking for other avenues to utilize the existing infrastructure to keep the economy going. And so there's a much more diverse Alberta than there was, you know, last time we went through an oil cycle. And I think that's going to soften the blow out the other side. There's also just a whole bunch of, I mean, the Vancouver effect is now spilling over in the Calgary and up in Edmonton. I mean, the a great recent example is that show The Last of Us got filmed in Edmonton. I mean, five years ago, filming filming something in Edmonton would have been unheard of. You would have done it in Vancouver, but mm-hmm. Vancouver's running out of warehouse space and, and industrial space. And they're, that movie industry, you know, Hollywood North is now moving into the prairies as one example of one industry that's coming over. There's also a lot of logistics coming into Calgary and up into Edmonton as well, because again, the cost and limited availability of warehouse space, it's actually becoming cheaper to warehouse um, product in Calgary and then drive it back to Vancouver when it's needed instead of warehousing it in Vancouver. So, you know, Vancouver's become such a behemoth that uh, Calgary and Edmonton are getting a little bit of residual benefit from the more affordable space available in both of those cities. So while we're still very dependent on oil and this latest oil cycle is going to be very, very good for the economy and very, very good for real estate values. um, I do think Alberta's economy is a lot more diversified than people historically think it was just because we had to, you know, there was no oil economy for a few years there. And mm-hmm. the, there was just a no quit attitude amongst a lot of, uh, a lot of industries in, in Edmonton and, and uh, Calgary. So we now have a bunch of re- repurposed infrastructure that's going to be good for the economy, you know, heading into the late 2020s and 2030s, I think. Okay. All right. That's interesting. So let's just say, for example, somebody is, you know, not from, let's just take Edmonton for an example, for example, because I know everybody's yeah. a little bit different. Like, what can they expect to get that you would consider a good opportunity that some of your investor clients have recently purchased? Like, can we get an idea of what that even even looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we we have what's called our LRT, light rail transit, which is like the metro line, like the s- subway, SkyTrain, whatever you call it. And there's a there's an expansion wing of it going out into the west end of the city. So, you know, in most major markets, when a transit line is going in, you want to snag property close to it because that's where the next value surge is going to happen independently of market forces. And in the west end of the city, you can buy new built houses in old neighborhoods. We call them infill in Edmonton. I don't know if you guys use the same lingo out, out east, but so infill property, you know, basically an 1800 square foot house with a 900 square foot basement. So like 900, 900, 900, two, two, two level, three bedroom, three bathroom unit upstairs, and then a two bedroom, one bathroom unit downstairs with an attached double garage. Brand new, so rip down the old house, build that. Those will go for about five fifty right now, and the gross building rent would be about thirty five hundred or something like that. Okay. Okay. All right. So I get so that's I mean that's cheap for a brand brand new build. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're talking you know like high end builder specs. So that that'll be your granite, laminate, stainless steel. You know, so nice that's five fifty for time. the new build, or that's five fifty for the new build plus the plot of land. Technically, that's five fifty for the for the land, the house, everything. Like you could. Pop on Realtor.ca and see a couple of these guys for sale right now. Hmm. Okay. So that's interesting. What about like multifamily, like bigger, like commercial residential type of thing? Yeah, there's a huge, there's a huge disparity in price point depending on the asset class. Like if you want to buy, you know, a 50, 60 year old walk-up building that is suffering and needs repositioning, you can pick that up for like 80 to a hundred a door. Um, that you got to roll up your sleeves, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom of the spectrum, but there's always opportunity to renovate, reposition, put in new tenants, work the cap rate. And then on the higher end of the spectrum, you know, we've got, you know, brand new or newish five-year-olds 
um, kind of institutional grade condo products still in the like mid 200s per door. And, uh, you know, for the, for kind of, I mean, we're not talking to a lot of institutional investors per se, uh, but for, I would say the sweet spot that a lot of out of town investors like, cause old comes with old, old property problems, lots of repairs right. and maintenance, lots of tenant turnover. Um, you know, the sixplex, eightplex product that I was mentioning earlier, those guys, you know, we just, we just sold an eightplex, uh, brand new, nice neighborhood it for 1.76 million. So, okay. you know, that thing, that thing, even with the increased interest rate still cash flows quite nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, depending on, depending on what you're looking for, I mean, you could also find a, a crusty old 16 unit building for 1.8 million. Um, but I, I would argue that most investors will have less headaches and an overall smoother ownership experience going with new inventory. Well, I guess, yeah, especially if they're from a different province altogether, right? And yeah, managing and stuff like that is like, you. I mean, you gotta have, I'm sure you have a team in place that you can recommend and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, like for me, I love the old stuff. Like that's what makes the most sense, I think, in Ontario, but I think we're in very different markets and that's, you know, well, that's important to understand. You know, we just, we just sold a property that, you know, might be up the alley of a lot of the listeners. It was uh, a 15 unit apartment building near um, one of the universities and it was grossly mismanaged and it had a fire and the fire happened because the, there was a meth lab that exploded, which is all kinds of fun. I mean, you know, it was something out of a TV show. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the fire was put out, the meth lab curators were shove you know shoot out by the police building was mostly vacant property was all boarded up and we we transacted that for 62 a door and you know the after repair value of that could be in the 120s maybe even low 130s depending on what the final rental amounts could be um and the person that bought that is actually from ontario so they're you know we referred them the contractor the property manager they're you know they're pretty fearless that's a mm -hmm. huge undertaking very capital intensive project but um the rewards are there so those types yeah. of deals do exist in you know, like I think we did keys last Monday actually for that thing. So, nice. you know, that stuff exists too. Yeah. And I think from like, um, like that new MLI select program from CMHC makes it attractive to, you know, take some of these older buildings or do new builds uh, in the multifamily realm. Because if you get certain points and, and that kind of stuff, I mean, you could be looking yeah. at 40, 50 year amortizations, depending on the points. You could be looking at up to 95% loan to value on the refi. Like there's some really good opportunities to, um, you know, play in a different market. And this is a new program. Like I want to say it was just what, like six to nine months ago that the MLI yeah. select program came out. And I think it's like an opportunity of the, you know, present and the future. I'm a huge advocate of the MLI select program. I'm actually building an eight plex myself using MLI select right now. And exactly what you described, 50 year M, 95 loan to value. The cool thing about the MLI Select program is, without getting too granular, but there's the affordability requirement, mm -hmm. the energy efficiency requirement, or the accessibility requirement. On the affordability requirement, the way that they calculate that is they take the median household income and then a percentage of that to calculate the rent. And the cool thing about the Alberta market for MLI Select yeah. right now is that the market rent is what MLI Select, because mm -hmm. the median income in Alberta is so high, the discounted rent is actually what market rent currently is. So you don't even take a hit on your rent using MLI Select in Edmonton right now. Now that's that's the that's the window right now. I mean, if rents mm. pop up or the median income changes, that could change. But there's yeah, a really yeah. cool window of opportunity right now to use MLI Select without actually having to take a hit on market rent in Edmonton. 
And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resort. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues. You can rent out a cabin. You can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only. It is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults. And the themes are really nice. They're really upscale. Like you have like the beach theme. You've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage Hollywood. And we are adding more every year. But there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats, your events, your business meetings, planning meetings, all of that good stuff. So check that out, inspirebeachresorts.com. Now back to the show. And I don't think that they've defined like how many actual bedrooms in those. So you can do like your smallest units, like your bachelors. Of course, yeah. <laughs> as, as those, you know, and that's what you would do essentially. And, that's and, the way to uh, do it. That's how you get the points. But, um, and then you got to just obviously talk to your mortgage broker to make sure that like you're like, loan and your exit loan and your debt coverage ratios and all that stuff still makes sense. But yeah. I, I think it's a great program. Oh, it's it's a terrific program. It's so nuanced. And because they've made it so complex, there's so many different ways to work it to your advantage as an investor. I was at a networking function last week and I was sitting next to a broker from Canada ICI. And um, she was talking about how there is a co-living aspect to MLI Select. And so she actually had one of her clients buy just like a big old five bedroom cabin using MLI Select because and they they got the land rezoned. So wow. this person bought a vacation property, called it a affordable housing because they rented the units to their friends for an affordable rate. Um, you know, like there's just so many different cool. nuances to MLI Select that are presenting themselves. I think that what's going to happen is they're they're going to figure out the loopholes and start closing them. But yeah. there's there's a Window There's of still some time, I think. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. still in the window before they start realizing. <laughs> yeah. So for those of for those of you out there who are in a position to be building some of these smaller multifamilies or acquiring small multifamilies, like there's there's nifty ways to to make it work. Um, and uh, you know, I just love the program. So I'm glad you brought it up because I I just think it's terrific. And I I was talking all about it last week with a broker. Yeah, we're doing a building um, when you're talking about your meth labs and stuff like that. There's a lot of like I've never learned so much about drugs by watching some of the videos uh, from this building that's empty right now. Uh, and actually, just unfortunately, there was a fire, like <laughs> not an explosion. There was a fire because uh, some uh, homeless people, unfortunately, uh, decided to go onto the roof and uh, warm themselves up outside. So- oh, boy. Yeah, but um, but that one will be a great MLI. When it's finished, uh, it'll be a great MLI uh, exit. And um, we're looking forward to it. It's a fun project. Yeah, I mean, usually the more complicated it, that it gets, the more opportunity there is to create value. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like a complexity, to put it nicely. I mean, Hobo's on the roof letting a fire. But you know what? Problems problems turn into opportunities in real estate. If 100%. you're the one to solve a problem, you're doing good. I- Exactly, exactly. And and fortunately there's I don't think the damage is that insane. So we'll uh we'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes. We're we're still going through insurance and all that good stuff. But it uh I think it'll turn out well. What are you working on personally as an investor? Yeah, so I, I'm building that eight eight plex right now. Um that's a all of the active work is done, like it's shovel ready. So now all we have to do is babysit the contractor while they build our building for us. And then I just closed on this um on this property in uh, in downtown Vancouver in Gastown. So 
that one's almost a pet project. Like the numbers do make sense, but that one is that one. That one's uh, you know my artistic outlet for the quarter because we get to have fun decorating it with all kinds of eclectic things and collecting knickknacks and funky thises and cool thats because you know it's it, we want it to be not only a an Airbnb but a signature Airbnb. So we've created a bunch of vignettes inside the property that were that are going to be like. This is the spot you take your Instagram selfie to flex on your nice. friends that you're vacationing mm-hmm. in Gastown kind of thing. So we, we're just having fun with it. And, um, you know, I mean, we on air DNA, like the thing would make money hand over fist if we put a bunch of crappy Ikea furniture in it. So to get to be a little extra creative is just just a cherry on top. It is, it is fun. Like the resort that we're doing, it's like all themed differently. So it sounds like it's a similar concept. We want to do something like Instagrammable like you as well. So. And I think that's what people are looking for nowadays is like a different kind of experience, right? If they're traveling, if they're taking you know some time off and they're doing something, it's all about the experience and, and how you know different and unique uh, you can make it. So, I, I you, I think you'll do really, really well with it. And maybe you know, how many people does it hold? Uh, it well, I mean, we've got three bedrooms, so it could hold three couples, um, mm-hmm. up to six. But you know, I mean, our pre- our preferential range would be like three to four people. But you know, I mean, there's it's a big space. There's if there were six people in there, it wouldn't feel crowded. Nice, nice. So you can do like mini retreats or something out of it, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody wanted to do like a, like a more intimate mastermind, I mean, the living the living room circle seating space can easily sit six to nine people um, just sitting in all the chairs and sofas and stuff. So amazing, but, amazing. Yeah. So if somebody is interested in, you know, like Alberta, whether it's Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, like what's the best way to to go about? Should they contact oh, you or like, like please how do yeah. work with people? Yeah. I, I mean, I love email. So James at M-O-G-U-L-R-G.com. And you know what? Facebook is my, is, I'm a little old school. So that's my preferred social media platform. So if you just look up James Canal on Facebook, you'll find me. Um, you know, I'm, it's my professional looking headshot. So it's pretty recognizable. And Send me a DM if you want to talk about anything that we've been talking about today, even if it's like, how do we use MLI Select? It's a new program. And if, if you're curious about it, um, I chat with people every single week about how to leverage the nuances to do projects. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Like I know for our project, like we hired an engineering firm to also help us with all the, you know, energy efficiency stuff so that like yeah. as we're doing things, we're not at the end realizing that we did it wrong, you know? So it's good to, good to have that. Like, well, you're going to have and to do note, things out of the box. Yeah, go ahead. One, one of the neat things about British Columbia is a lot of the building codes in BC. Are, I mean, it's BC. We're all green. Super green, yeah. Super green this, super green that. So a lot of the standard building codes in BC hit most of the um, energy efficiency requirements okay. anyways. Cool. So you don't even have to take a hit on uh, on affordability to still get your points for MLI Select building in BC. So, nice. I mean, there's a lot of really cool opportunities in BC for MLI Select as well. It's more difficult in BC because the land is so darn expensive. Hitting the debt coverage ratio yeah, is harder. Right, right. Um, but at least you, you know you don't have to do affordability. You, we we get it in the green space here in BC. Very cool. Yeah, no, I, it's a great program, guys. Check it out. MLI Select CMHC just came out with it. You know whether it's uh, through James or, or talk to your mortgage broker about it. They should be uh, probably in the loop so they can help you. Whether it's uh, out, you know, obviously in in uh, in your neck of the woods there, or maybe in Ontario or wherever. This is Canada wide program, so. Yeah. For multifamily anywhere over five units. Um, cool. Uh, so let's do our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you five questions. Sure. That's the next parts of the podcast. You're going to answer them in like the first answer that comes to mind. Okay. Ready? Let's do it. Today's lightning round has been brought to you by midtermrentalproperties.ca. It is a new way to rent, make more cash flow, take back control over our investments, 
and our portfolios using a different creative strategy and pivoting. So if you want to find out more, go to midtermrentalproperties.ca. All right. Question number one was your favorite real estate investing book. Uh, I think 97 Tips by Don Campbell. Okay. Were those the tax tips? Uh, it's 97 Tips for Canadian Real Estate Investors. Let's see if I nice, have, nice. Okay, I might've cool. lent out the copy to one of my agents. Yeah. I don't have it on the bookshelf right now, but yeah, it's called no 97. Worries. It's the book's awesome. close to 20 years old now, but it is, yeah. it is I... just like, oh, I love how your bookshelf's color-coded. That's, that's, I know. That's I feel like it's a, it's a blue book. That's usually, that's like usually yeah. Don's color. So yeah. it's somewhere. Yeah. Don's book. got the blue book with the yellow font. Oh, there you go. 97 tips for Canadian real estate, uh, real estate investors 2.0. Right that's there. the one. That's the one. <laughs> awesome. All right. Not necessarily number two. Um, not necessarily real estate related, but do you have a favorite podcast? Uh, you know what? I I oh gosh. I would say my favorite podcast. I, I dabble. So right now I'm listening to this. I don't know if you guys have heard of Alex Wormsey. Um, but uh his podcast has been really, really getting me. It's not so much real estate focused, it's more entrepreneurial, but he's he's all about AI, lots of lots of good conversations about Chat GPT, and that's a that's a toolbox that I am very enthusiastically using in all of my business endeavors. So to hear hear him brainstorm on how to use nice. AI more effectively is really really working with what we're doing. I uh, just started using it like last week. It's actually incredible. I'm a little worried because I'm not that I don't trust the government and this and that, <laughs> you know. But like. I, you know, what, what are they getting access to? I don't know. Maybe this is just me like overthinking and being super paranoid, but it's interesting. It's a cool tool. Yeah. I mean, I, if it allows me to do, do a task that used to take me 20 minutes and 20 seconds, I'm all for it. Cool. Number three, what do you do for fun? I go down the side of mountains really fast. I, uh, I just got Harvard? back from a 10 day ski trip in the Rockies. And then nice. as soon as the snow melts, it's time for the mountain bike. Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, your assets, your real estate, everything, how would you start again? Uh, I would, I mean, I would rely on my network. You know, I mean, you, you said my real estate and my assets and my money, but I didn't lose my network and I didn't lose my knowledge. So True. I think I almost, you know, fantasize about starting from scratch because I wouldn't make any of the same beginner's mistakes. So I think it would be a way faster ascension into the real estate space. But, you know, for me, I think the first thing you need is capital. So I would probably start with like wholesaling, quick turn real estate, um, that kind of stuff, the stuff that doesn't, that isn't very cash intensive. And then once I built my base, I'd probably just jump right into commercial um, is kind of, I think, how I would approach it if I did it all over again. All right. All right. Great. Uh, great insight there. And last question. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that $50,000? Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, that's the, the deadly it depends because, I mean, it, it's in complete relation to how hands-on or hands-off that person would be. Totally hands-off. Private lending is super easy or invest in a REIT or something like that. But if they want to be hands-on, then I would look for... I would look for a kind of a smaller deal. I I'm personally don't suggest people to over leverage. So, you know, I wouldn't try to take $50,000 to make a million dollar purchase. You know, use $50,000 to make a 200 to 250 purchase. Do it right. Take the risk out of it because if you lose your 50,000 on your first deal, the second deal is never going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Well, that was our lightning round. Thanks for playing. And again, James, where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Yeah. Uh, hit me up on Facebook for James Canal, or just drop me an email at james at mogulrg.com. Or if you really like chit-chatting, uh, call me at 780-340-1340. All right. Very cool. Thank you so much, James, for being on the show. And thanks for sharing your insights about uh, the West Coast. 
Oh my gosh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me, and I look forward to doing it again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.